Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to Brand Insider, Kelly Hornick, who's the Director of Marketing and Communications for Legoland. The Legoland Florida Resort recently received a unique distinction. It is the first theme park to become a certified autism center. This means that the cluster of parks under the Legoland banner in Florida have satisfied a number of requirements, both in staff training and sensory guides to accommodate cognitive diversity. This is a category of customer and uh, a customer and their families that's only recently getting attention from marketers. So this gives us an opportunity to start exploring how the issue of cognitive diversity intersects with things like branding and marketing. Kelly's been with Legoland for over two years, but has been marketing Florida destinations for quite a while. She previously spent more than a decade as a marketer at SeaWorld and Bush Gardens. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I guess I don't have to ask you where you are. (laughs) (laughs) I am based in in Sunshine State, of course, in Florida. I live in Orlando and work in Winter Haven down at the Florida Resort for Legoland. Uh, Before we get into the specifics of this uh, CAC certification, tell us a little bit about Legoland as a destination. How is it different in terms of target market and brand from the competing destinations in Florida? Of course. So, well, of course, Legoland has parks all around North America and all around the world. But specifically in Florida, we have Legoland Theme Park, Water Park, and we just opened the all-new Peppa Pig Theme Park this year as well. In addition to that, we have three on-site hotels which are fully themed, you know, dropping into a Lego universe hotel that are all perfect for family destinations. And what's really great about our property is that we really know who we are. Our target demographic are families with children that are two to 12 years old. We don't have the tallest or the fastest rides for, you know, the older teenagers or the young 20 somethings. But what we do really well is we put kids first in everything that we do across our parks, water parks, and our hotels. So you see that in the ride experiences. You see that in the hotel rooms with in-room treasure hunts and bunk beds in every room. Mm. It's all really about marketing to families and to moms and dads who put their kids first in the planning process of their vacation. Uh, Actually, give me a couple of examples of what what the rides are like at Legoland and the sort of experience. What what, what do you emphasize there in terms of both the the sensory experience, but also the hands-on experience? Yeah, of course. So being a parent, there's a huge difference between a two-year-old and a 12-year-old. So as you can imagine, there's a huge scope of the different types of rides that we offer. But some of the most famous rides that are our favorite rides are we have driving school here in Florida. It's our Ford driving school and kids can as little as three years old, get behind the wheel and drive their very first car. So there's different tracks, one to accommodate the younger kids and one to accommodate the older kids. And they get to be behind the wheel, you know, and move the vehicle on their own. It's fully responsive to them. And at the end, they earn their very own Legoland driver's Mm -hmm. license that they can put their picture on and then take home. We also have roller coasters. And then, of course, some of the smaller rides down to celebrate the preschool brand of Lego, which is Duplo, and Duplo celebrated with tractor rides and choo-choo train rides. 
Does the brand have any history or previous affinity with a neurodiverse customer base? And and I know that you're not an you're not an expert in neurodiversity, but for those of us who know who you know marketers who may know nothing about this, um, tell us a little bit about um, what set of challenges we're discussing when we talk about neurodiversity or cognitive difference. Sure. So firstly, answering the first part of your question about our history with that is that, you know, Legoland celebrates the brand of Lego and all of the beautiful products that have been around the world for years and years and years. And and when you think about it, generations upon generations. So previous generations didn't have as much intel or insight into cognitive um, diversity and didn't necessarily know that if a child responded to things a little bit differently, that he or her may just have a different thought process or programmed nature. So Lego as a toy, I think, has appealed to kids across all different functions throughout generations. So that's kind of the core of who we are. And you'll see build experiences around all of our parks, whether you're helping dream up your own unique piece of the world and adding it to the Rebuild the World attraction, or you're part of one of our special events. Like right now, we have Ninjago Days going on at Legoland Florida, where you can help build part of you know, a ninja build that's themed to Lego Ninjago and then have all of those pieces come together as one giant master build at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's always kind of been the core, I think, of the Lego brand when you think about the toy itself being approachable to all different types of kids from all different needs and backgrounds. But when you step into a theme park, theme parks tend to be overstimulating. It's supposed to be this moment of excitement and, you know, anticipation of, getting big enough and being tall enough to ride the next roller coaster and have those big kid experiences. And there really has to be a balance between those incredibly overstimulating, exciting experiences that get adrenaline pumping. And then also moments of kids feeling safe and comfortable with their parents and with their family from experience to experience as they traverse the attractions. Uh, how was this initiated? I mean, did this come out of any uh, market research that you had done, any feedback you were getting from parents? Was there a particular trigger to uh, to sort of put you on this path to, to move towards this sort of certification? You know, specifically with Merlin Entertainments as a company, we really strive to be as diverse as possible in the different programs that we have, and we're constantly learning and growing. Um, coming from SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, I actually worked with those parks during my tenure to get the Certified Autism Center program approved. So those parks were actually the first theme parks and water parks to be able to be a Certified Autism Center. Mm -hmm. Florida Resort is the first theme park resort destination to earn that certification, just as a quick clarification point. Mm -hmm. But bringing that background, when I started at Legoland Florida, I saw a need because we were just kind of looking at some of the qualitative responses we were receiving. We hear a lot of guest feedback through all of the social media channels, but then also on the one-to-one channels of guest comments coming through email or being spoken directly to staff at the front lines. And, you know, there's a little bit of everything out there of different needs, but Mm -hmm. started to really talk about programs that could, you know, directly affect one group of individuals but then also have that ripple effect to other types of individuals in different types of needs. That was where I brought my experience with working with IBCCES as a partner to the table for Merlin and for Legoland Florida. Because what's great about this Certified Autism Center program is that while it's labeled as a program to help with families who may have a child or an adult who has autism, 
it actually really does help across the whole span of cognitive diversities. So mm-hmm. the training that our staff goes through, you know, can be applied to working with an adult who may have had a stroke in the past and may process things a little bit differently or or feel things and sensations a little bit differently um, because of those needs. So this yeah, I think that's an important uh, I think that's an important point uh, that when marketers and, and companies think about um, working in these areas with what seem like very specific or niche populations, they really do reverberate and echo into other uh, other groups, other demographic groups and other other populations that you may not anticipate. Exactly. And something that I find so fascinating working in the theme park industry my whole career is that what happens in our parks, and and you could say the same about a lot of different products and services, right? Whatever happens directly to your guest or to your customer means just as much as whatever message I'm putting out on a billboard or an out-of-home explanation of what the park is. Because when people come to our parks and have a fantastic time, regardless of what needs they have, they tell everybody. Mm -hmm. And theme parks and vacations are really the brag moment on Facebook, right? Every parent wants to be the parent that gives their kids the best experiences ever. And what's great about this program and other programs that we're looking at getting into more of is that it levels the playing field for these parents who normally have to be super planners. They have to do so much more work just to have a normal day with their children and to be able to experience a theme park in the way that a lot of other families don't realize comes naturally to them. Uh, yeah, and I think that, again, also that that sort of reverberation and echo effect that those of us who may not have children who are on the spectrum certainly have friends who do. So there is that kind of ancillary branding impact of recognizing that whether this, this park serves your particular needs, knowing that it serves others, uh, just has a, has a great branding impact. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, people want to feel like they're contributing their dollars to a place that cares. And especially when we talk about children and what's so great about our parks is you see parks, you see the kids grow while they're in our parks. You see them, like I said, get their first driver's license or ride their first roller coaster. And there are all these moments of either empowerment or growth that parents get to be a part of while they're at Legoland Parks that you get that feeling as a, as the grown up right in the party that, that you made a good choice by coming to the parks because you see this change and you get that same good feeling. So at Peppa Pig theme park, that was our first park that we rolled out all of these um, certified autism center initiatives. You can see at every single attraction, we already have the signage posted that explains what their sensory ranking is. So part of this program through the partnership with IBCCES is that their experts come on site and review all of the attractions and how they may affect each of the five senses. And then they create a ranking system or, or kind of like a grid that tells you, you know, if your child or you may be sensitive to sounds or loud noises, be prepared because, you know, there's a cannon in our water sports stunt show or be that if you're sensitive to smells, you know, this is pretty close to the restaurant. So you're going to get some food smells when you go around the corner and things like that. So what it does is it takes that guesswork out for the parents. But again, something as simple as having that signage at the parks for parents who don't have children who have those special needs, they might see it and it doesn't affect their day, doesn't change the way that they're experiencing the rides. They just see that there's another layer there for Mm -hmm. those in need of that. And again, I think it does make them feel good to know that they're part of a place that cares about all children. 
Well, and also that it, it uh, we all have sensitivities, right? Uh, whether we're on the spectrum or not, we all have, you know, almost all of us are sensitive to one sort of sensory overload or, or another. So it actually does help educate everybody. Absolutely. Now, uh, we should make clear, we, we were throwing the acronym of IBCCES around, and I should, I should mention it's, that's the, this is the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education. Uh, but, and you, you sort of answered a, a good part of my next question about what is entailed in acquiring certification, but, another, but so there's the signage piece. There's also staff training, right? Yeah, so to become a certified autism center, 80% of our staff um, needs to maintain their certification at all times. Now, I'm thrilled to say that we're actually hovering at about 95% of our staff right now, which is a huge feat. If you know anything about the hiring system of, you know, a Central Florida theme park, you can imagine that we have peak seasons and low seasons, and we constantly have an open door of hiring frontline staff. So being able to get our team members onboarded quickly and go through this training has been part of the culture that we've done with that. But so the first step is really the training initiative and making sure that from security officers through ride operators, through marketers, all of us go through different levels of training, depending on how we interact with the guests or mm -hmm. messages we're pushing out there. So that training may be an in-person training or an online training based on our positions, mm -hmm. but you have to maintain or exceed in our goals um, that threshold. And what that does is it gives people the confidence to be able to know that they can approach those families. I think in a lot of times, if somebody isn't familiar with children who may have special needs or families who may experience parks differently, in the past, it was you know expected of them to just kind of let them go about their day or be a little bit more passive and in this case, we try to encourage people to talk to all families, just be mindful of how you're approaching them. So if you see a parent who may need help, maybe just notifying them that they're there if they need anything. Or if you see a parent that um, it looks like they're trying to find more information, pointing out the best way to get that information, be it the mobile app that also has all of those sensory rankings on them, or the physical handout that has all of those on them. Sometimes that's easier for different parents to navigate. But what we do through this training is we really give our, our employees, again, either frontline or backup house, the tools they need to feel confident to be able to approach those families before a situation arises, but then even in those times of kind of high intensity, high emotional situations to feel confident that they're in a good place to help those families go through that. The other piece of it is to be able to look for opportunities to continue to be better for all needs. So with this, um, specifically with the cognitive diversity, as I talked about, mm -hmm. our partners do come out and they review all of our attractions. And that might be a ride, it might be a restaurant or even a show. And they get against those five senses. So again, the way that you um, feel comfortable with sound, smell, sight is different. Every child on the spectrum is going to be a little bit different. For some of them, sights like Bright flashing lights might trigger an emotional response where feelings or smells might be stronger for others. So what this does is it takes the guesswork out. It tries to break down all of these experiences in that ranking system. Those tools that are available at the parks, as I mentioned, at the placards in front of all the attractions at Peppa Pig theme park. We're working on getting all of those live over at Legoland theme park and the hotels um, this summer. 
but then also in advance online. So on Legoland.com and on PeppaPigThemeBark.com, parents who are these super planners can go on in advance and kind of map out their day based on their their child's needs are to hopefully either prepare the child or avoid situations that might not be favorable for that family that could change their whole day. And again, when we can deliver those amazing guest experiences, those are when we build the loyalty and advocacy within these families to talk more and to have that ripple effect to get more guests coming to our parks, having their best days ever. Uh, In addition to having that information available where parents need it, uh, is there any marketing plan that's uh, being attached to this certification? Are you using it in any of your marketing materials? So we do position it online. That's really one of the major places that we're going. And we'll continue to look for opportunities to partner with different influencers. Mm -hmm. We work very strongly within social media and we're looking for different partners in the influencer world. But Mm -hmm. I'll we don't do any pay-for-play relationships. That's part of who we are as a brand um, for like Lamb Floor is that we really want those authentic, genuine experiences. Mm-hmm. So for plenty of parents who have children with special needs who might be advocates within their own communities to come mm-hmm. out and experience the parks. And we like to do that in a trade relationship versus a paid relationship so they feel comfortable giving us feedback as well so that we can continue to grow find out if we missed the mark somewhere along the lines and if there's something we could correct versus it being an exchange of payment for, you know, a positive story on our parks. Does, so uh, different media outlets, of course, that target these um, groups and then work through the partners with IBCCS with their um, autism travels mm-hmm. marketing initiatives as well. Uh, does this have applicability? I'm, I'm curious. I know that Lego, Lego itself as a brand has vast reach into a lot of different um, experiences and properties. Um, is there any discussion that you're aware of of moving some of this into the retail experience as well? Because that seems to me an area where uh, this is most immediately applicable beyond um, theme park experiences is that retail as it becomes more experiential, maybe a place where these these sorts of discipline and, and training might be relevant. Yeah, that would be a little bit out of my realm of knowing exactly mm-hmm. what your plans are on the marketing side. But I can say that, you know, I've always been blown away with what our partners at Lego have been able to put together to be able to be, you know, a company that helps not market, but work with groups of all needs. And Lego is always kind of at the forefront of looking for more opportunities to make the product and and the way that you access the product easier for all types of guests and and customers. Uh, Let's pull back a little bit and talk uh, finally to to wrap, talk about destination marketing generally right now. Um, First of all, how have destinations like Legoland bounced back from the pandemic? Where are we now in that? (laughs) What a wild ride it's been, right? It's been about two years or so. We haven't been fully opened yet for two years, but I can tell you, you know, being in Florida, we've been in a unique position as I've worked with my colleagues in California and New York on, on their different closures and reopening and so forth. And we were lucky at Legoland Florida to really get a, get ahead of a lot of the planning through a lot of our health and safety initiatives. And we were the first theme park to open, um, reopen back in 2020. Uh, we were closed for 77 days. And when we reopened the park, we had a very strong safety and um, health and safety policies and practices kind of put in place with that. And it was a constant evolution, which was 
you know, tough as you can imagine coming back from a closure period. Our staffs were a bit smaller. Some people were furloughed, but we had to be nimble and, and be ready to change things quickly. Here in Florida, the different mask rules or um, group gathering rules and closure rules kind of changed every few weeks. So we are constantly updating our materials or different ways of connecting with people. I think one of the fastest ways, of course, again, we went back to social media and to PR arms because it was the, qu- the quickest way to get information out there and then use our website as a tool to really speak directly to our consumers as what to expect when they came to our parks. You know, we went out of our way to make sure that people would feel comfortable in our parks and that they felt safe to play because here we are, a theme park that's built on the beauty of Lego, which is a hands-on kids toy, right? And the time of COVID, we want kids to feel safe, to be able to touch things, to play with things, to be kids, to run around, not worry about where they're standing. So we had to look for opportunities to try to make all of those things fun and playful to stay who we were as a brand. A lot of the in-park signage and the notes that you would have seen online or through some of our PR channels and social media channels all had a very funny, playful nature to it. When we talked about masks, we related it to Lego ninjas and Lego Ninjago world. And so even ninjas wear masks sometimes and try to make it playful for kids in park some of our executions instead of um, what a lot of people said with markings on the ground that said, you know, don't stand here. We flipped it and we put giant red bricks on the ground that said, stand here. And what we kind of encouraged kids to do was jump from red brick to red brick and turn it into a game while we were practicing social distancing when we first reopened. Now that we're kind of in a place of, um, let's say, balance or kind of steadied policies and procedures here in the state of Florida, we're able to peel back kind of that constant change of messaging And now really look to um, all of the market's needs. So people here within the state of Florida have kind of been a little bit more comfortable, I I would say, in visiting theme parks. But we know that a lot of our outer market visitors, be it from, you know, New York or Chicago or Boston, it might be a little bit more foreign to them at this point. So making sure we've had those materials online, but that we've given them what they need in advance to be prepared for their visit and feel safe to play has been really important to us as well. Uh, where are we now in terms of demand? We're doing fantastically well. Our parks are seeing some really great. We've had, you know, record, record-breaking record spring breaks. We mm-hmm. opened up a pig theme park this February. And honestly, that park has just been, you know, doing fantastically well, exceeding all expectations. And we've seen people really be ready to get back outside. And that's part of what we can offer as an outdoor theme park here in a place where you can be outside 365 days a year is that people wanted to get back to celebrations, back to birthdays. Last year was our 10th birthday at Legoland. So we had this giant 20 foot birthday cake, again, an outdoor experience for people to come and celebrate all of those lost birthdays during COVID. And we looked for those really sweet family moments that we know, you know, people had to put on the sidelines or put on the back burner during the, the major parts of the pandemic and give them a place that they could feel like you could come back and have all of those experiences that you missed out on over the last few months or years. Well, Kelly Hornick, thank you so much for your time. I hope all of this uh, good news sticks uh, as we as we move into as we move into the fall. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a blast. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. 
We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there.